The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Kia ora tato, this is Toby Manhai with another episode of your friendly local politics podcast, Gone by Lunchtime. What you're about to hear is part of the Gone by Lunchtime Megapod, a 12-hour epic event recorded on September 20 at Spinoff HQ. Enjoy. Tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome back to the spin-off Gone by Lunchtime Election 2023 Megapod. Really delighted to have Michael Wood in the studio with us. How are you, Michael? Kia ora, Toby. Very, very good this morning. Thank you. Uh, on a lovely sunny day in Tamaki Makoto. Yeah, I, I bussed over from Mount Ross School and yeah. I had, had a couple of little connections. It was very pleasant strolling through our fair city this morning. How's the you... mood in Ross School? Uh, it's good. It's good. Um, we're, we're campaigning every day. It's sort of dawn till dusk at this stage. Yeah. And uh, we're being really well received. Heaps of people, I'm sure we'll talk about this, still kind of in that undecided uh, zone for the election. Uh, But I'm finding, like, getting to the point where they're quite engaged in the election in a way that perhaps people weren't a month ago. Sure. And wanting to talk and raise issues and ask questions and find out what we'll do about X, Y, or Z. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you uh, three questions that we're asking of everyone that's coming on this ludicrous megapod exercise today. First of all, for your chance to win a box of chocolate fish, would you like to guess to one decimal point what the turnout will be in election 2022? Let's say 79%. 79%, flat 79%? Yeah. Okay, good call. Um, what's your, uh, what's your, if you were sent to a desert island with only one choice of political TV show, like whether, a, you know, a West Wing or a Veep or whatever, is there something that you would take on DVD box set? Oh well, like every good um, good lefty, I've we've watched and rewatched West Wing over the years. But actually, the one in recent times—it's not entirely political, but has a political angle to it that we've loved—is Slow Horses. Oh yeah, 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 amazing. Yeah. There's, there's a sort of deliciously um, venal, um, uh, ambitious, horrible Tory Secretary of State who's inter- yeah. interfering in the intelligence services to yeah. his own uh, benefit uh, right throughout it. And it's a it's a really really great series. Great books by McCarran. Have you read? Any I, have, of I haven't actually read them. Have yet, you read? Have you read any books? Because Chris Hipkins on the debate last night seemed to never have read a book. <laughs> I, I've, re- I've read, read a couple of books in my time, Toby. <laughs> that's, that's, that's reassuring to hear. And the last one is on the subject of mojo for our mojo meter. Christopher Luxon talks a lot about mojo and about how the country has lost its mojo. And so there's obviously a search to find that mojo and reinstate it. You personally, just because we're getting a measure of everybody, from zero, meaning all gone, no mojo, no mojo, to ten... Full mojo, absolutely 
brimming with mojo. Where do you sit on the mojo? Uh, I think a solid 9.2. 9.2? At this point, we're, we're, we're 10 days, no, how many? 12 days out from early voting. Yes. And so we're building, building, building. We'll be, we'll be a very, very um, pumped up 10 uh, wow. on the old mojo front. Wow. And uh, I, I've got to say, I thought one of the most amusing things this week was um, David Seymour hitting the streets of Remuera as reported in the New Zealand Herald this week and uh, asking people how bad things were, and actually pretty much everyone saying, oh, it's really good. So I think the mojo actually across our city and our country is not too bad. Interesting. Um, you were you were caught this week saying things that National was going to get rid of the winter energy payment. Did you get a slap over the wrist for that? Oh, look, I, I did uh, take that post down. Um, that, of course, was their position. They have more recently said that they'll retain it. They certainly said they'll retain it for seniors. Um, less clear what the ACT Party position would be. But more generally, um, we've got a lot that's at risk if we have a, have a change of government. Um, cheaper public transport, retirement age, um, many of those changes, the free school lunches as we've applied them, are all at risk if we have a change of government. What about fair pay agreements? That was something that you were very involved with and I, I, my sense is quite impassioned about. Um, tell us about, give, give, us, give us the Michael Wood case for fair pay agreements and why they're important and maybe even... Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to trap you here, but maybe even if the government were to change, why you would argue that they should be retained through? Because to survive, they need to survive change of government at some point, right? Yeah. Well, well, if we take ourselves back a few years to that really tough period for our country during COVID, I think a lot of us reflected and were reminded of the fact that we have large numbers of workers in our country who are often unseen, but they keep us going. And think about the work of cleaners during that period, keeping you know our workplaces hygienic and safe for us to work in. Think about the work of bus drivers who had an incredibly difficult job during COVID, managing the restrictions and sometimes aggression from people, hospital orderlies, people like that. We were reminded that these people who are often very low paid with poor conditions in job security are essential to our country functioning. And those people have been caught in a race to the bottom where very often their pay and conditions have been driven down successively over 30 years um, through often contracting models and that kind of thing. Fair pay agreements are simply the idea that there should be a basic negotiated floor um, that gives a basic level of protection for people in some of those areas. And I think it's something that actually most Kiwis Kiwis support. We actually good support for that campaign, uh, for fair pay agreements as we're running out that campaign. And I think most people want to see the cleaners, the bus drivers, the supermarket workers that we relied on treated with a bit of respect. That is what fair pay what's, agreements provide, and that, that is one of the things that goes backwards if there's a change of government. What's the status of, what's the furthest advanced version of a fair pay agreement at this point? At, at this, I'm obviously not involved in the individual ones that have been put yeah, forward, but, sure. but, but as I understand it, the bus driver's fair okay. pay agreement is is the most advanced. It was the first to be initiated, and now they're, they're now in a process, that the workers and the union, of working out um, their claims process, uh, the things that they will take into a negotiation with the bus driver companies. And the bus drivers are a classic example. Um, they're an example of a sector that was driven down through a contracting model. That was terrible for the workers there, but lo and behold, the result of that was we had a bus driver shortage. So it was an example of the fact that if you want your society to work well, you actually need to to pay fair rates and treat decently the people who are doing these important jobs. Quite early on, Business NZ were involved in that process, if I recall correctly, and then they were quite... Quite, quite diametrically in the other, other, other direction. Well, I mean, why, why did, why did that, why did that not hold? Why? Because they, they were going to be the in an early design of it. They would have been the, the, the kind of agency, as it were, the conduit for the employers, right? 
How did, how did, why did that fall apart? Well, I mean, they could only speak for themselves, and sure. I, I, won't, I won't pretend to do that. But ultimately, the position that they ended up in was saying that, and I'm par- paraphrasing here, they, they were okay with a lot of the things that were in there, but they wanted it to be effectively optional or opt-in for employers. And ultimately, as Jim Bolger said, who was the person who convened the working group that largely designed the system, if you did that, you just defeat the whole purpose, because the whole point is to put that floor in place to stop the low rider behaviour, the bad employers from <laughs> dragging down the industry and getting a competitive advantage by paying less. So if you had an opt-in system, which is what Business New Zealand was arguing for effectively, you, you really wouldn't have a minimum standard, which is what fair pay agreements are. Final thing I'll just say on this is you've you got to look to other countries. We hear a lot in this campaign and at other times about Australia and why sometimes people might choose to move to Australia. Well, one of the things I've had in Australia for a long time is a modern award system which puts in place a basic floor across a lot of these kinds of roles. Um, So often people don't take account of that fact at the same time as opposing fair pay agreements and we'll be fighting hard to keep them and and that's one of the things we will, that will come into life with a re-elected Labor government. We will make these real and people's lives will be improved. So what do you, what is the campaign for you now? You just talked about going around Roscoe, I mean, you're knocking on doors doing that sort of thing. I mean, I mean, you know, at the start of the year, you would have imagined that you would have had a different role doing some of that too, but being out there, being the voice on a range of different issues as a senior minister. Are you able to do some of that still, or is it basically you just kind of, do you take your medicine and you're just, I'm an electorate MP and I'm not going to spill it? Yeah, well, well, my main job this campaign is to uh, be the candidate and try and win my electorate in Mount Roskill again. So that that's um, the main focus of my mm. efforts. Mm. But I also work with other MPs, particularly in Auckland, in terms of how we're connecting with different constituencies. So you know, I'll be off speaking at um, the Gen Zero climate debate on Friday night, right, uh, right. For, for example. Um, I was uh, meeting with groups of workers uh, yesterday who were actually very interested in talking about fair pay agreements and what's at stake this election. So a lot of the focus is, is locally, but there are still issues in the in the region um, where I'm keen to really play my part and get our message out to, to groups in the community that I've got a connection with. So you haven't been instructed to stay. I mean, I was I, I did wonder when I invited you on whether you'd say, actually, I'm not, not, not doing those anything else beyond, you know, outside the the steel wall of the Roskill electorate. We're not far from that here. But you haven't been sort of instructed to stay away from media, stay away from engagements. No, I mean, like I say, you know, 90, 95% of my job is, is bringing home a good yeah. campaign and winning party vote in Mount Roskill. But, you know, I lean in to support the campaign in whatever way I reasonably can. It's uh, it's an important one for me. Um, you know, I, I think there's a hell of a lot at stake uh, this election and every MP has got to do whatever they can, wherever they can to try and bring it home. 9.2 mojo is, is, a, is a lot too. When you look back on that time when things, you know, changed for you, what do you see when you look back at that time now? Oh, look, it was a, it was a pretty horrible time to be yeah. be perfectly honest. Um, there were some uh, errors that I made and I paid a, a, you know, quite a significant uh, price for that. So, yeah, I reflect on that. You, you reflect on uh, how did you get there and what would you, you learn to avoid that again. Uh, but, you know... You, you also reflect on um, what got you through. A um, lot of great support, family, um, broader whānau, colleagues, and you have a lot of gratitude for the people who are there when you're in a, in a, mm. in a very difficult spot who encourage you to you know, get back on the bike and get out there again. Because it must, I mean, that, that must take a toll. What was, what was the impact on you and your family at the time? Oh, it was, um, it was uh, really awful, to be honest. Mm. Uh, you, one of the things about politics for me is 
I've always had a level of discomfort about what we're you know often told we need to do, which is to you know, go out there and share your story and all of that kind of thing. For me, politics is primarily about um, the ideas and the policies and the changes that we can make that will make life better for people. And so part of the, you know, what was really awful about this experience for me is it was, it was deeply personal. It was your judgment, um, your affairs, um, uh, things that you did or didn't do that, you know, some people thought reflected on you and your character. Mm. And that is, that is is really difficult. And, you know, in some degree, uh, when you're in senior political roles, you need to put your big boy pants on or your big girl pants on and, and accept that uh, and deal with that. Um, but when you're being you know, very heavily critiqued over that stuff, um, that's really hard. You know, you can always, you can accept at times, as I did in this case, that I made errors uh, with things. But of course, some people will take that to the very worst possible extent. And that's not easy, but but you take a bit of time. And, you know, if you're really committed to, to making long-term change in politics, which is why I'm here, mm. yeah, you, you write that out mm. and you start to rebuild. And do you think you were treated fairly at that time by by? The, the political establishment by the media. Do you think it was a, the, the assessment? Do you think it was fair? I mean, I, I, I mean, at the time, it must feel like the walls are caving in a bit. Oh, at, at times, yes, and at times, no. Yeah. But in the end, that's just, just not. You've got to get yourself into a zone where you control what you control, and that's not something you can you can ever control. Yeah. Uh, as a politician, and you're getting back now, though. So you, I mean, you know, you go through that process, which would be harrowing for any human being, and you're now feeling back. I'm not going to say mojo again, but you're feeling your energy is back. I mean, you're. <clears throat> are you feeling as though, in after the election, whatever, however the cards may fall, you're ready to kind of get back into a more senior position in in, in, in a Labour caucus? Well, I'm one of those politicians who loves a good campaign, right? And and so, in terms of sort of getting back into the zone and getting energy back. And and um and rebuilding a campaign's a really good opportunity because you just you get out there and you spend ninety percent of your day in front of people face to face talking about politics, which and yeah, you know, what people want to see done better and differently. And I and I love that. So that that's actually been a really good a good process, and has given me a lot of energy back. And yes, look, we'll, we'll see how the cards fall. We're fighting hard to win this election, and um, yeah, my golden time would be to be be in a in a position where I can make a real difference again. Pretty much everyone who comes into politics as an MP would like to be a minister because that's where you can start to make some really significant mm. changes about things that you care about, mm. and that's what I was able to do for a couple of years. So I'd like to get back there, but you know, you come out of a period like that, and you've just got to act with a little bit of um, humility and patience. Uh, I think. Work hard and hope those opportunities come up. We discussed um, in an earlier part of this megapod Simon Bridges and his yak and um, how useful a kind of tool for a resurgence, a reprieve, <laughs> a redemption animal, if you will. Are you in, are you interested in yaks or any other redemption animals? Annabelle Lee Mather was not specifically with you in mind, but talking about how donkeys are quite... Are you? Do you think there might be... Um, uh, is that something you'd be interested in considering? A social media resurgence using... Uh, I think, yes, a spin-off on... Yeah, sort happy of to help. Special happy to be involved in that. Yeah, meeting the animals. What and, do you think uh, it'd be? Well, Michael Woods. Yeah, yeah. Look, there has always been a very, very strong attac- uh, attraction to, to donkeys, I've got to say. Donkeys? Yeah, okay. yeah. No, like, I, I remember probably my fondest animal memory ever um, was when my wife and I were in England and we went to a, a home for abandoned donkeys um, somewhere in the south of England. Very smart animals, very determined. They just kind of keep going. Gentle natures, but also a little bit stubborn. I uh, I like them. 
that seems that seems like a winner. This is more this is more like incredibly expensive political strategy being expounded here for free. Um, do you have room at your property for a donkey? <laughs> well, where we are, we don't actually have our property, but we've got a, a vacant property uh, behind us that whoever owns it doesn't maintain very well, quite frankly. So, so possibly a, a donkey roaming around there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chris Hipkins said when some poll numbers that came out that weren't terrific, I think it was a kind of a couple that were in the 20s, maybe it was that News Hub one, the Reed one, he said, I see there is a mood for change. Which I thought was interesting. You know, that's not normally what an incumbent says, but he's looking around, he's seeing it there. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I know exactly what he's saying um, from the work that I've been doing on yeah. the ground. And, and, and I, the way I describe it is this it's been a really hard few years. I mean, you just kind of unpack, say, from the beginning of 2020 to now, um, a couple of years of the fear and uncertainty of COVID, uh, the impact of lockdowns and other restrictions that we had to have. Uh, coming out of that period, still a lot of uncertainty, a lot of people actually getting sick with COVID. We've dealt then with cost of living, as a lot of other countries have. In Auckland here and large parts of the North Island, you know, the worst extreme weather in generations that have you know, upturned life for many, many people. And so I think um, when you sort of say that, yeah, people want some change. People, I think, are, are wanting to move out of that period where things have been tough and uncertain and are wanting to look at the things that we can move forward with positively uh, as a country. And, and so that's sort of the agenda we've got to set up. We've got to yeah. be proud of our record, the things that we've done, but we've then got to say, well, here's the pathway forward. Yeah. It's just a it's a tricky one. To, it's a tricky argument to make, isn't it? You'll accept to say, we've been here for six years, some things happened, but now we represent change. Yes, you could say that, but it's also true that that's always been the nature of New Zealand politics. It is always the Labour Party that enacts important changes in our society, and it then tends to be the National Party that you know, governs at times, but doesn't, I'm generalising a bit here, doesn't that's then actually David make sig- significant changes. Yeah, that's right. yeah. yeah, and of course, yeah, the changes that he would implement would take us back to those yeah, horrific days of the, the early 1990s, where you know, whole groups of our society were thrown on the scrap heap. Um, that's not the kind of change that we need. Um, so, you know, some of those changes that we have begun, but you re- we really want to take forward. We've lifted 77,000 kids out of poverty. There can't be much that's more important in a society than carrying on that work and levering it up. We've started to turn around on climate. We've had three years of reducing emissions. We need to accelerate that work to take us forward. Um, you know, the cost of living stuff we're dealing with uh, at the moment still remains tough for people, so there's more stuff we want to roll out. We are proposing here to start building a universal basic dental service for New Zealanders, starting with the under-30s, but the intention is to move it up from there. You know, that's the kind of change that really makes yeah, a difference just in people's lives. that changes several years in the future. That's part of the problem, isn't it, because of the constraints of the current economic environment. It's like, every, this is like everything's going to be really great in 2026, it feels like to me. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a, a difficult sell. Sure, sure. But I think people are also, you know, New Zealanders are pragmatic people. They know you can't click your fingers and hmm. suddenly make, um, have, you know, a whole lot more dentists uh, trained and a whole system set up, just to take this one example they know that you're probably going to have to stage that out. So as part of that, we said, we'll train up more dentists as well. We'll first move up to under-24s by 2025 and then the under-30s by 26. I think when you break it down like that, people go, yeah, we understand that, but we want to see that you're keeping it moving forward. So, yeah, I think that yeah, that point about change is important. Um, a Labour Party is always there 
to enact change that gives people opportunity that enhances social justice within our communities. And those are some of the things that we'll be doing to achieve that. Last thing, Auckland. You were given oversight of Auckland for a period of time there. Um, probably only was a couple of months and, and as it happened. But you've always been focused on Auckland. You're, you know, you're, you're in the community. Tell me what has changed for the better in Auckland since 2017? Because I think when you talk to people, they talk about the light rail that has been talked about, but nothing's happened. They talk about Harbour Cross and Haven. They talk about housing that remains under a lot of stress, house prices still, you know, inaccessible to many. They talk about crime issues in central Auckland, which makes it, I mean, I don't think anyone would argue, makes Queen Street a pretty unpleasant place to be a lot of the time now. What is, what for Auckland, a bigger city, what has happened in the last nearly six years that has got better? Sure. Look, a number of things. Let's start with housing. Um, the progress on housing has actually been incredibly significant within Auckland. We are now, for the first point in about 40 years, building enough houses in Auckland to keep up with population growth. We have in my electorate and other places large-scale Kaunga-Aura-led developments. Like, I don't know if you've ever been down to Roskill South, just south of uh, Pukitapapa, the Maunga, in our community, where we're well on our way to completing a 1,000 new houses, mix of state houses, Kiwi-built houses. You know, I've door-knocked young couples who have been able to get into a first home. So we're starting to see some of that work come to fruition, and that is going to make a real difference in terms of the, people of ability, the, the ability of people to access decent, uh, decent housing, whether it's state or whether it's uh, in the market. So I think we have seen real progress there, but always more to do, uh, of course. Uh, in transport, Obviously, ongoing issues that we face, and again, the big stuff does take some time, but there is now, broadly speaking, a plan for rolling out mass rapid transit in Auckland. The first stages of that have been built. We've extended the northern busway. We've built the first stage of the eastern busway. The work on light rail, yeah, these things take time. Remember, we basically started again at the beginning of 2021 with that. Uh, and it's actually moving forward um, uh, at pace. We've got the plans in place to start moving forward with northwestern rail. And if you want to look at uh, public transport in Auckland, it got knocked around horrifically during COVID. We have now rebuilt the reliability of that service. You know, I took you know, three buses to get here and they all turned right. up on time. Right. And that was actually a lot of hard work from us to make sure that we fixed the bus driver supply working with Auckland Transport. That's a lot of changes you have to make to get here. How long did it take you? It took me 27 uh, minutes. Okay, so I took the, the 25 bus, then the outer link, then the 20 bus okay. uh, down Morningside. I reckon it would have taken... Did you pay or did you not have to pay because you haven't got any money left on your card and the whole well, thing's been hacked, hasn't it? Well, so I bleeped my hop card, so I, I, <laughs> I assume it worked. Um, I reckon it would have taken me 20 minutes to drive and park at least, 27 sure. minutes to bus. Yeah, yeah okay. ch Chatted to a couple of nice people on the bus. Right. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's yeah. a good way to travel. So there's pro what I guess I'm saying is there's progress in all of these areas. Look at some of... Okay, I accept the comment you've made about there being some challenges with... Um, on Queen Street, and we, we do need to resolve those. But actually look at some of the public spaces that we, we've developed uh, in the inner city. Te Tanga Square, which is part of the um, part of the CRL development, is actually a thriving uh, hub now um, that links through to um, uh, and connects the city to the waterfront. There's actually been a lot of good progress in this area. The rolling rollout of a lot of good parts of a safe walking and cycling network. Again, we know there's heaps more that we have to do in this city, but there's actually been tangible progress there. You see how that's working along Key Street, along Tamaki Drive, and other parts of Auckland. So there has been a lot of progress, a lot of challenges to overcome because of COVID in that period. But I'll tell you this, you know, every single one of those things does go backwards in the other direction under National and Act. Investment in public transport uh, gets slashed. Um, their commitment to building more affordable houses 
um, through uh, the changes that they originally supported and now have pulled back from, that goes backwards uh, as well. So on those key issues in Auckland, climate as well, every single thing we've done goes backwards. All right. There's a change of government. We'll, we'll keep them met we'll, up. We'll, we'll, give, we'll, give, we'll give National a chance to respond to that later in, later in the day. Thank you very much for coming to see us. Can you catch your three buses back to the People's Republic of Mount Roskill? Thank Cheers, you, Michael. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, we're closing on 11am on uh, the Megapod. We'll be back soon with Debbie Ngāruwapaka of Te Pāti Māori. And then in the studio, a short, sharp Auckland Central debate discussing some more of those Auckland issues with Chloe Swarbrick, Mahesh Mola Da, and Oscar Sims. This is the 2023 Megapod. Thanks for listening. There's plenty more where this came from on your Gone By Lunchtime feed. Thanks to Jane, Te Aihe and Samuel and the rest of the team at the spin-off for making the Megapod happen. Kia ora e te iwi, Te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at the spin-off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.